Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, Michael and I talk about the latest Fred Rogers movie and how we want to be like Fred Rogers when we grow up. We're just calling this one the one about Fred Rogers. So we hope you'll sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael, how's it going this week? It's going well, Nate. How are you? I'm good because you're in my office yes, I am. at my church. That's true. Welcome well, thank to you. the wonderful world of Nate. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I remember. What a, are you doing here? Well, I came to drive Maggie back to SNU uh, because Thanksgiving is the most highly traveled day, especially on I 35. Yes. The Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving weekend, the return trip. All of the college students going back. There's a lot of universities along I-35. There really are. And so there's tons of tired, weary uh, travelers headed back to school. Um, and, and you know, I'm sure that there are a lot of semi-trucks. We saw a lot of semi-trucks probably repl- oh, yeah. replenishing stores after the Black Friday sales and all those kind of things. There's just a whole lot of traffic yeah. going on. And so... I said, well, Maggie, how about if I drive you up to uh, Oklahoma City, and uh, and then I'll just fly home. And uh, Yeah. Well, so. you're so nice. Well. That's very nice of you. you Not know, many dads I, I, do that. I like her. and uh, she's, a, she's a pretty sweet girl. I yeah. will give her and I'll so, give you that. Uh, and, so. and more than that, I like her mom. And so, <laughs> uh, and so you know, Shelly Shelley is attracted to... Uh, the idea that that I would want to keep her children safe. Yeah, and um, so and really, this yeah. is self-serving. Yes, you just and want your wife to be attracted to you. More. Yeah, that that, and also my my mom and dad. Uh, you know, they uh, they like her baby. a lot. They like her a lot, and so they're better to me when I'm better to her. Yeah, um, that's not true. My parents are good to me no matter what, and Shelly's good to me no matter what. Yeah, but um, I know, but. Uh, like you know, they They're said. better than you. Mom deserve. said. Mom said, "I will use my airline miles because she's got you know, like, right, with a credit card that gives her yeah. points or whatever." And uh, and she said, "I'll use my airline miles to fly you back." That's uh, really nice. So it costs like five bucks. You know, you pay the service fee or whatever. Yeah. So, um, so I'm you, flying back for five bucks and and putting you out. You know, I stayed yeah. at your house. And, stayed at my house. And then no, I, that's never yeah. putting me out. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you were I gonna did. say something about being in my office. Were you oh, I was just, being in here I was just remembering. I, I've been in. This, this is not your only, the only office of yours that I've ever been in. I, uh, but I remember the one, and maybe I've talked about this before, but I remember a pizza shaped. Yes, um, we haven't office, talked about this. a pizza slice shaped office. Yeah. At uh, in Fort Worth, right? In, in there in Crowley, Crowley, no. Crowley, Crowley, Crowley. If Crowley. you're from Crowley. <laughs> That was after I came out of the closet. 
Oh. My first office was a closet. <laughs> Your first office was a closet. It was literally a closet. Yes. And it was funny because the youth pastor before, he and I are friends, but he's five foot two and I'm six foot two. Uh-huh. Chuck Lover. Yeah. So yeah. The, uh-huh. they joked that they had to build me a bigger office when I moved there <laughs> to fit. To but, fit you. But it literally was a closet. And Chuck mm-hmm. lived there for so many years. I admire him for living in that office because... Like, literally, I could sit in my chair and reach the shelves on one wall and the other wall without moving the chair, just spinning around. That's how big the office was when I moved to Fort Worth first. So they added these two offices, one for the children's pastor, Jennifer Summers, one for me, uh-huh. and they were on these jut-out walls that kind of came out at a 45-degree angle. Right. So they squared them off, which made it a triangle-shaped office. It looked like a yeah. piece of pizza, yeah. Yeah, and you had, like, shelves wrapped into the very tip of the corner and they were always filled with uh mighty grasshopper t-shirts oh yeah yeah and one of the things was uh that one of the walls was brick because it was an exterior wall to begin with yes so yeah Yeah, it just was in the foyer yeah right it was like on the front of the building right yeah they used the architecture of the building yeah uh it wasn't it was never meant to be a closed-in space i don't know no it was not so yeah, that was the first office I think where we ever hung out. But yeah. this one is this is an upgrade after the fire. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I've, I've got quite a bit of space and mm-hmm. some built-in shelves they sure. built in for me. Sure. And so so yeah, um, man, so much has happened since we talked last. But I know one of the things I want to get into is we both saw the Mister Rogers movie, and I don't, I don't want to be spoilers today, but there were some things that were really powerful oh, in that God. movie. It was Without like, giving away the plot line, yeah. I think we could do that. No, so. I felt like I was sitting down to an episode of Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Like I, just, I mean, as an adult, I, right. I just felt like I was watching the same show that I'd been watching my whole life. I mean, you know, Tom Hanks, wonderful job. Wonderful yeah. job, you know. But I will tell you one thing: Fred Rogers' voice just yeah. cannot be. Yeah, I, I heard a little yeah. Forrest Gump. I, there was a little from Forrest Gump. I was like, "Wait, are we, are we doing shrimp Creole?" Yeah. I was like, "What there, is going there on?" There was here? a little. There was a little bit of when he did the country part. Yeah, you know, because yeah. he had you know a little bit of a twang in his voice. You know, the the original Mister Rogers shows are now on Amazon Prime, free for Prime members. Really? You won't believe it, but I started watching them. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You know my favorite... The like, first one's... A, it's like any series. Yeah. It's hard to get... It took them a while to get steam going a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. 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 So. The... Um, well, so did... I mean, the movie did, too. It started out, yeah. you know, slow. But then you realize what they were doing, and yeah. you went, oh, that's this is what's happening. And... Um, but they panned across the room. The first opening, you know, there at the yeah. beginning, they panned yeah. across the room, and there's picture, picture. On the wall. Picture, picture. And I lean over to Maggie and I said, that thing's called picture, picture. Right? <laughs> and uh, and then, then he walks over to it and he, you know, he did the thing where yeah. he leans in real close and he stands like right there. But he's not seeing what we saw. Like right. that was added in yeah. green screen after, you know, the, right. the fact. But he leans in like he's watching it with us. Right. And it was just such a perfect moment. I just... Because he walked over and said, oh, let's see what Picture Picture has to say. And they pop in the videotape, you know. It just felt like yeah. I was a kid again. And I had purchased, because of you, all right, so you inspired me. I will take credit. You you know, I didn't go get a cardigan, though I, I should have. Um, 
and some slippers and yeah. change my shoes and yeah. everything. I watched your uh, your sermon lead in on neighbor being a good neighbor, right? Um, and and how you you sang the the song and you rewrote it for community church and whatnot, and just thoroughly enjoyed it. Can you find that? Can our listeners find that? Oh yeah, online? it's on Facebook. You can okay. find it on my Facebook or Community Church of the Nazarene Facebook. Yeah. And so Maggie sent it to me as soon yeah. as it was released. I was like, Dad, you have to watch this. Yeah, it's and, a um, little parody of Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. So. Yes, it's wonderful. And um, and even with the changing of the shoes and the changing of the sweater. And yeah. It was wonderful. It was and, fun. and I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I smiled from ear to ear the whole time. And then uh, you, I think you invited the church to come to the movie with you. And so, yes. so I got excited and I went and bought like 40 tickets and, and told everybody, Hey, yeah. I'm going to the movies and I'm inviting, you know, 40 of my closest friends to come with me. Right. You know, and, it's um, fun. and you get to decide if you want to be one of my closest friends. Um, yeah, so just come. Yeah. And, uh, and I gave them all away. Matter of fact, my neighbors were standing in line, actually not my neighbors, but my neighbors, father and mother, uh, we're standing in line, and they were buying tickets for some friends who were coming. And I even gave them two tickets because that's awesome. You know, I mean, Did you say, "Won't you be? <laughs> won't you please, please, won't you be my neighbor?" As you handed it to I should have, but I didn't. Oh, okay. That's taking a long time. Yeah, it they might have been in They might have gave up on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did the same thing, and we reserved a bunch of tickets. And we have a brand new theater in town, so it's like super plush with all the heated seats. Uh-huh. They, they heat or they cool, and they lean all the way back. And I didn't even fall asleep, which is pretty miraculous for me in those seats. But, <laughs> yeah, it was so good. So one of the things that I really – I started getting into Mr. Rogers through the documentary that HBO did. Did yes. you see that one? I did. My family yeah. bought it for me. And, and just one of the things I noticed was that Mr. Rogers was so intentional. That's the word oh, that man. just keeps coming back to me. Like, living intentionally – and one of the things he did intentionally was he, he was prophetic in some ways. Like my favorite scene from the documentary, not from this movie necessarily, but uh, was where he got in a pool um, with the police officer who was a black man mm-hmm. at the time when white people and black people didn't yes. swim together. Uh-huh. And he gets in this little kiddie pool, puts their feet in. It's almost like a foot washing slash mm-hmm. We're going to share this pool because everybody right. needs oh, yeah. their feet cooled on a warm summer day. Yes. And he it, never uh, once went into any kind of diatribe no. like we like to do on Facebook about race no. relations. or He no. just did it. He just did it. It was prophetic. Like, it's what, a yeah. like, I think of Ezekiel just like, uh-huh. you know, laying on this on the ground for a year or whatever. You know, it's like, yeah. Doesn't say a word. No. Nope. Just act like a weirdo. Although Mr. Rogers wasn't necessarily acting like yes. a weirdo. But Ezekiel did some weird things. Like he did. Eating things. Prophets cooked were Cooked over dung. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he had to beg God, can I cook over... Yeah. Not my own dung. Not human dung. But but over maybe cow dung. Yeah, and cow God dung sounds better. And said, yeah, you can use cow dung. It, you know, but he was... There's some... You know, a performance artist. Yeah. And a prophet. Uh, kind of... And that's really what Mr. Together. Rogers was. Because he, really was. he, he was, was trained he, as a preacher. He was a preacher. Everything he did but was a sermon. His uh-huh. his group ordained him. I think he was Episcopal, right? They ordained he was Presbyterian. him Presbyterian yeah. as a preacher for TV. That was how he was kind of. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, it was street performance. It really was. There was we, I wish we had more service. of that. I wish I was better at that mm-hmm. as a preacher. The um, oh yeah, street performance. Well, you but you you did a little bit. Right? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember, but I just want to get better at it. I remember one time when D. Kelly, he was the 
the chaplain at yes. SNU, and he put. I know in, what you're gonna he say. He did. He did the whole the whole Fred Rogers. Oh, thing. I thought you were talking about a different sermon. Oh no, yeah, there's another. There's, he did it. He did a lot. He did. He was a good sermon. street performer. He really was. But one time he put on like the Fred Rogers. He came out like you did. Yeah. Uh, for the for the community video, um, and he put on a sweater and he changed his shoes. And this was pre- he was preaching the the chapel message at SNU, and he you know he sat down and he did the whole tossing of the shoe and then yeah. he was singing the little won't you please won't you please please won't you be my neighbor and then hello neighbor <laughs> right and he, <laughs> I could totally see he, and that. he did this thing I think I was gone at that and he said you know school. today I'm so glad you're here I had some ideas I wanted to share with you and uh, he said I was thinking about instructions. And he walks over to this table where he's got all these things laid out. He says, this is an iron. It gets really hot. It's for making your clothes, you know, not have wrinkles in them. And he tells about the iron. And he reads the label and he says, this is a very important label. It tells you not to put it in water. It tells you not to touch it because it's hot. Instructions and labels are very important. And he goes on and he, he looks at several things and he, and he reads the instructions to us. And then he picks up. Uh, scripture, and he opens it up, and he says, "This one, this one says, uh, do not simply, do not deceive yourself by simply reading it. Do what it says. Do what it says. That's <laughs> and, good." And then he said, "Well, that's all the time we have today. <laughs> do what it says. Do what it says." <laughs> so another one of his that was my favorite was he always had a beard for a while, you know, and uh, at least some kind of facial hair, and he went and. Uh, Shaved half of his shaved face. Half. I remember <laughs> shaved half. Of yes. It. yes. <laughs> and so he walked the stage one way. He was the older brother in the prodigal son, uh-huh. and then he turned around. And he was the other. And brother. you couldn't see his clean shaven face the way he walked out until he got to that first turn. Yeah. And he became the younger son. Uh-huh. So just by shaving half of his beard, right. he became both people. And he talked about the prodigal son, which. Uh, man, Henry Nowen has a great book about how we we see ourselves in both uh-huh. sons, yeah. and then ultimately that God wants us to become the father, the father. Yeah. who welcomes others yeah. in. Yeah. Oh man, that book, fact, yes, I, it, the the prodigal <laughs> son book by Henry Nowen, really good. The Return of the really Prodigal good. Son, I think it's called. Yeah. Woo, pick that up. That's yeah. good stuff. I preached a sermon about discontentment. Yeah, and I. Talk, well, you're good at that. So that's yeah, I am, I'm really good at this. You're talking about complaining. I'm just such a complainer. I am I'm such a great. Um, <laughs> no, that's so bad. <laughs> that's okay. I'm a jerk. I know. No, you're, I, well, I, that was the point. Is that I'm yeah. a jerk. I'm I'm discontent most of the time, even even with you know, uh, just the blessings that right. I receive. Yeah. I tend to then look at it and go, well, it's it's almost perfect, but not quite. Yeah, something. You know? There's something underlying there. <laughs> Shel Silverstein wrote a poem called "Almost Perfect but Not yeah. Quite," and then uh, and then talks about and the, the character in the poem gets to heaven. And God says, "Well, you're almost perfect, but not quite." Not quite. And <laughs> um, but it, it's in discontentment. You know, that's a perfect story to talk about discontentment. Yeah. You have two brothers who were discontent, both of them discontent in other ways, and because of that Henry Nowen book, I, I had this revelation that. The discontentment we want is not either of the brothers, but the discontentment that God has, uh, and He's pictured in the Father. His discontentment is to stand on the front porch while the Son is coming. Yeah, he, He's discontent to stand there and wait. Yeah, He runs out to His Son, and He's discontent to let His Son his miss older out son on the party. Stew. To let Him miss out on the party. Yeah. He goes to the back porch. Right. So He's discontent just hanging out on the porch. He wants 
He wants the one son to come in the house. He, so wants, he wants everybody to be he home. Wants the, the, he wants them all in the house. Yeah. Right? He, he doesn't yeah. want... He's discontent with the with the hanging out, you know, and not quite making it to the party. Yeah. And uh, and so, so... and so That's good. I think it's beautiful that, you know... And I think I think that the the prophet understands that about God. Yeah. Is that God is... Well, the prophets God, are wholly discontent. Like, yeah, they just... In a holy way. Yeah. We can't just settle for status quo. We've, we've got to... We've got to seek. We've got to upset. We've yeah. got to flip some tables in yeah. the in the temple courts. Stir things up. You know, a we've got to we've got to curse a fig tree every now and then. Well, one of the things that you were talking about that neighbor series that was really powerful for me was. You know, we use scripture and we talked about, obviously, the Good Samaritan was one we talked about. We talked about Lazarus and the rich man and how the rich man kind of kept a gate between him and Lazarus and how we need to cross some gates. And so anyway, long story short, um, we challenged people to go out and do things. And, and one of the most powerful moments was one of my people shared a story of actually going to a neighbor that there had been a beef between the two for wow. years. So cool. Over a dog, which is interesting how that happens mm-hmm. in our lives. Yeah. But, um, and she videoed it as her grandson gave the guy a pumpkin pie and wished him, you know, happy <laughs> Thanksgiving kind of deal. And then my wife and I, were, we were challenged to do the same. There's this lady who just, every time I would see her, it was her yelling at me over the fence. Like we never really got to interact outside of those moments where my pool was draining into her yard too much or I was weed eating too early and, and it, she just would come out waving her arms like huge, just waving, just Mister, Mister, yeah, yeah, just yelling, this little old lady. Uh-huh. And I finally told her the last time we kind of had this interaction over the fence, I was like, I think if you meet me outside of these moments, you, I'm a really nice guy. I want to be a good neighbor. So we went and took her and her family a little Thanksgiving basket and, <laughs> You know, it was interesting. She softened quite a bit and, uh, um, you know, tried to come up with some reasons why these things had bothered her and and not necessarily an apology, but more of a like, okay, I'm not as bad as you might think I am either. You know, this this kind of understanding us, each other for being human beings and sometimes we get frustrated and, you know, so it was beautiful to actually see people moving towards their neighbors. Like, you know, you issue those challenges, you never know if anybody will do it. Uh, and I know there are others that I haven't even heard about, but it was it was it was so neat. And then we had eight people, eight of Pollock's coworkers that came to the movie with us, and that was incredible. Just um, just to spend some time with some neighbors, you know. Yeah. And they loved the movie. They weren't sure if they were going to like it. That was the interesting thing, because you know, sure. Mr. Rogers kind of has a, you know, that's a kid thing or whatever. But that it's movie hokey, was yeah. anything but hokey. It was yeah. very powerful. hokey kid show host. Yeah, that's what that's how people refer to. But that's one of the that things kid, I love. I love hokey. Well, I'm what like, I love is that he didn't walk in step with everybody. Else. No, he didn't. You know, like right now, kids are just adore two characters that the world would just call hokey as all get out. They they love Fred Rogers. Yeah, and they love uh, Bob, uh, the painter. Oh yeah, Bob, Bob Ross. Ross. Yeah, Bob Ross, uh, and they and they think that him having those flying squirrels. And, and they're both really positive they're, people. They're so just put a happy positive. little. It's not a mistake. It's not a mistake. It's a happy, happy little, little tree. This is your painting. Yeah, you get to do, do what, what you, you want. want. Yeah, right. Like I mean, like kids are, 
drawn to these things. I mean, they've started reprinting all kinds of T-shirts. And, yeah. And pop, popular culture is just absorbing these things. And I was reading an article that I think said... we're hungry for that. Even small children were fascinated by the Mr. Rogers show. They thought... The people doing the study thought the kids would not want anything to do with it because it's not high tech. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that they're seeing that the, even kids today, not just... No. In the 60s, 70s, right. 80s. The kids today are fascinated by that. I think I think one of the things that that I I most there are a couple of things I most appreciated and what drew me to even want to do that series was the idea that I think from his Christian kind of perspective, just the understanding that every person, regardless of their age, and this is the amazing thing, every person needs to know unconditional love. They need somebody to look at them and yes. say, you're okay, you are loved, mm-hmm. how you are, not for what you do at nope. work, not for... Right. And, and the amazing thing is I've been, you know, my wife and I have been going through the study of the Enneagram together a little bit. And, and the healing for like every number is to know your worth and unconditional love. I mean, yes. it's like so basic. Yes. It's like if, if you want to be healthy as a nine or whatever, or a one uh-huh. or yeah. whatever your number yeah. is. You just need to know you're loved. That's right. <laughs> I mean, if you want to break them all down to it, it's like, and, and that's what I think Fred Rogers gave the world that is so important. And I love that his wife was like, don't call him a saint because that makes it unattainable. <laughs> if he's just a that's person, wonderful. you yes. can do it too. Yes. You can unconditionally love Exactly. Him. Yeah. That, that's the uncredentialed voice mattered to Fred Rogers. Yeah. Right? right. And that's that's what we see in scripture is God Jesus recruiting yeah. disciples who were uncredentialed voices. Right. I mean, this is I mean, Fred understood that he he had to have understood what that was because um even, you know, uh when when he was on David Letterman. Right. Okay? So years ago when he's on David Letterman. And everybody's making fun of him in the comedy circuits. Yes. I mean, and, they all had their impressions. And, and David, you know, is working hard to be polite to yeah. this man. Which yeah. I think David Letterman probably had to work hard to be polite to anybody because he's kind of a rude guy. He's kind of a smart yeah. guy. That's really why is. I love him so much. I, I do. I do. I, that's why I <laughs> watched him. my favorite. Because, he, because he, he, he owned this cynicism. And the gap that, in his teeth. That made me feel like I was a positive person. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but no, he just, you know, he, he, and he talked openly about struggling to be yeah. kind and whatnot. And, and here is... Fred Rogers, this man who epitomizes kindness, you know, and and so he's having him on the show, and they show they don't just show like, and Fred was real great about it, you know. He brought he brought like a T-shirt for right. uh, for Dave, and he uh, and he said, and I even brought you a, a, a change of sweater and a, pair, <laughs> and a pair of slippers. That's awesome. And, <laughs> and you know, That's just awesome. and laughs it off because yeah. he understands, you know, Fred wasn't right. stupid. Yeah, he was just he was nice and he was yeah. polite. He just wasn't, you know, and I think sometimes we associate intelligence right. uh, with wittiness. Yeah. And witty tends to be sarcasm. some kind of cynicism yeah. of some sort. So, and there's oh, a little great. bit of negativ- yeah. negativity in there. And so we associate intelligence with that. You're hitting me right between the eyes. <laughs> your ability to hurt somebody, to sting them right where they live, you know, that somehow that's intelligent. But Fred taught us an intelligence that was peace-loving and yeah. kind. Yeah. And... Um, 
and and did intelligent things even even in his blundering right yeah like because on that on that show oh that my episode gosh. they showed the tent they showed yeah. the bloopers of him trying to set up that was so great the tent yeah that uh, and they're like and we it, can preset the tent for you Fred yes we can do that so the movie takes that clip and yeah. puts it in the movie right but it but it really is from from, from a blooper on letter that they uh, showed okay. on Letterman I mean I I don't really remember how it played into the, to yeah. the episode. Right. I don't remember that episode, but right. on the movie they played it so well about yeah. how he just says, "I guess it takes two adults to set this tent up." Yeah, you know, and and then won't let them erase it. And then kids need to see that adults sometimes struggle yeah. with things too. Yeah, Judah, yeah. that's I, so great. I, have I told you that time where where we moved to San Marcos and it was hard? Yeah, yeah. And Judah said, "Judah's just he's struggling." You know, Judah's my youngest, and he he was just heartbroken. Because we had to leave Orange. And he doesn't like change. He's a one. Right. On the Enneagram. Yeah. He's a one. No change. Let's not ever change. Everything stay the same. Perfectionist, you know. He'll be a good church member. Yeah. <laughs> a good <laughs> Bane in some some pastor's side. Um, or Bane. Thorn in some pastor's side. I know. Bane in his existence. Um, but he, uh, you know, Judah was really struggling with the whole thing. And I said, uh, I went to his room and he was struggling. And he was kind of weepy and uh um, and i talked him down you know off the ledge or whatever and said it's gonna be okay you can do this you can do this and, and i was having to give this pep talk every night yeah and uh and shelly and i were concerned you right know, we're gonna yeah. have to get this kid a counselor and you know he's he's really struggling and uh and i'm not telling any story that judah does he's given me permission to tell the story because he understands the value in it because it was right. valuable to him and i said uh, i'm walking out of the room and he goes dad is this hard for you? And I said, yeah, yeah, this is hard for me. He said, well, it doesn't look like it's hard for you. And then he just began to weep. And of course, that just broke my heart. Yeah. Because I realized in that moment that I had denied my son the opportunity to see how hard it was for me. And I had pretended like everything was good. Right. Even though it was difficult. And I had denied him. The, my lack of vulnerability... Yeah, right. or my lack of trans- transparency about mm-hmm. my vulnerability to yeah. my son had handicapped him. Right. It had yeah. it had left him thinking that he was less than because I wasn't honest about my my hurt and my emptiness and my brokenness. Right. And and yeah. and in that moment, I just I just remember I walked across the room and I said, "Yeah, buddy, it's hard." And I picked him up, and he's just sobbing. I mean, just wailing, man. Yeah. And I held him in my arms, and he sat. I sat on the edge of his bed. He's like, you know, 11 years old, too big to be being held this way. But he wrapped his legs around my waist, and I held him tight, and he had his arms around my neck. And I sat on the edge of his bed, and I just began to cry and pray, God, help my son, because this is hard for him. And I prayed, and, and it it broke my heart so much that I just, I began to wail a little bit and I yeah, couldn't, right. I couldn't, you know, it was that, that, you know, you can't yeah. catch your breath or whatever kind of cry. And, uh, and we both were crying hard and Judah started praying for me. That's awesome. And said, Father God, this is hard for my dad. Right. Would you help him? Cause we, we don't know how to do this. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I mean, but you know, I think probably somewhere I learned better right. than to pretend like I'm okay yeah. when I'm not. But and, it's easy to do. And, and to I do. think Fred Rogers was trying to teach the world it's it's okay yeah. to be honest about your humanity. 
Yeah. Like, what's so wrong with being human? And I think sometimes our theology informs this idea that being human is bad. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. Even though the Father looked at it and said, this is good. Right. We think, oh, no, the flesh is bad. No, the flesh yeah. is bad, spirit is good. Because we've created this Hellenized yeah. dichotomy yeah. of things. And it's just not true. Humanity, God created it. And so to yeah. tell people, I think you're dead right. We, people need to be told, you were created by a God who loves you. Right. And everything that he wants for you is right here. Yeah, yeah. That's great. The other thing that I took was, that I really liked was, the movie did a good job of showing the practices underlying that kindness. So like, many of us would just try to go out and be kinder. And that's really hard to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. But but they talked about him reading scripture. They taught, yeah. They showed him praying for people by name. By name. That just, man, people lost it in the theater. <laughs> I was oh, like, they did. They showed him swimming laps. I mean, physical yes. exercise. Like, they just showed these daily practices. And I think that's where I've been challenged the most recently is that the Lord has reminded me, you need these practices to be the person you want to be. Because yeah. who we are is shaped by the practices yeah. we engage in. Yeah. And so many times we kind of let life go by, but intentionality in those as well. So there was intentionality, I think, in his, his message and in the way he went about everything on the program. Nothing was just by chance. No. Even that tent setup. Leave that. That's fine. Yeah. Let the kids see it. Um, but like, there's also intentionality in the way he lived so that like, like you have to be drawing from a deeper well to really be kind. Mm-hmm. You have to be loved to be loved, mm-hmm. to, to be loved yeah. to other people. So, um, so knowing your own love um, from the Father. Sorry. Yeah. My computer rings when my phone rings, even oh, though my yeah. phone was on vibrate. <laughs> so you have to accept that love and receive love and, and be, be kind of grounded in some practices so that you can forgive yourself, so that you can... Uh, grow so that you can pray for others so that you can begin to look outside yourself and, yeah. and be that kind of kindness. I think he understood. It, you can't fake that. No, you can't. I think he understood that if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, that you have to appreciate who you are in Christ. Yeah. Like yeah. if you don't appreciate who you are in Christ, then your neighbor's going to get... Right. A, you won't appreciate who they are. Who they are in Christ. You, know, you don't see the them same. as made in God's image because yeah. you don't even know if you were made well. Right. In God's image. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, man, it's, it's great. I know we're getting close to having to go to lunch and I got to take you to the airport, which is sad, <laughs> but heaven is where the conversations will never be. That's ended. right. Cut That's short. Right. That's right. That's what heaven that was is. That's one of our first podcasts. One of my favorite lines you've ever uttered. I get, yeah. Well, heaven is where I get to finish every conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I love that. So, um, anything before we go? Um, no, you know, there was these two girls who went to the movies with us, um, two teenage girls. And I think the world would say of uh, teenagers, uh, what they've always said of teenagers, I don't know what's wrong with this generation, you know, yeah, those kind of things. But I watched these two uh, young girls, and, and my two sons were there too. Um, right. And uh, I watched them watch this movie and saw their reaction to it. And yeah. How, I mean, they were just, they were in tears right. at, at all the parts that, you know. Yeah, were tear jerking, and they were they were laughing out loud. Yeah, and unashamed to laugh out loud when when something was, uh, yeah, you know, struck them. And I think, I think we're, we're we live in a world where our young people, our old people, I think I think we're not 
as far apart as we think we are. I think we've not, yeah. I don't think we've yeah. lost as much ground as we think we do. I think I, I think the church kind of feels like it's lost some ground. Yeah. And and I hear pastors talking about oh, we've lost ground here, we've lost ground, you know. Um, first off, you know, I don't like the idea that we think about it as a war where we're trying, yeah. to, we're trying to conquer or colonize. Yeah. Cuz I don't yeah. I don't want us to be a coercive church. Right. Um, and I think sometimes we're strategizing. We're yeah. always strategizing. We're trying to figure out how to address the world stage. Yeah. But Jesus didn't say address the world stage. He said, love your neighbor. Yeah. And I think if we if we could figure out a better way to just... It's a little bit of a ripple effect then. Yeah. Yeah, we had some teenagers with, uh, with us as well. And I think they went in. In fact, I know they went in thinking this is going to be terrible. <laughs> We're going because mom and dad are taking us. But I know to a person they were like that was so good yeah. and even one of the littler ones I was a little worried the thematic nature of it was a little darker than she uh-huh. might like she loved it oh. so man we would I guess we would recommend the movie the way we're talking about I, it I certainly, see the movie. I certainly yeah. would and I, I will be on Prime uh, watching, yeah. watching episodes and we will next time be doing this from our distances again but it's good to be with you in person live And we're going to go get some lunch. So have a great day. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.